guilty verdict of Chauvin. It's about time, man. Yeah, step in the right direction. Hey! We are coming to you with the unspoken words. This is the Red Road Perspective. With humility, experience, reflection, and that unique style of indigenous humor, we discuss the issues that affect our mind, body, spirit, and emotional well-being as natives in recovery. Mobriety. Community, accountability, transparency, and service work. Uh, hope. Hey! Whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey! 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 Yeah, hey, all right. Episode 25. Oh, oh, oh. Uh-huh. 25. Uh-huh. Quarter thank, century. I just want to say thank you to you gentlemen. To my right, he's from Arrow Creek. Um, He's your favorite engine. He's sanctimonious and he's bad, JCB. Over to my left, he's from LG, the two-time co-champion, Randy B, the pod guy What's say? What's up, y'all? <laughs> what up? What up? What up? <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. I want to know co-champion of what? Is this the co-champion? Of the co- world champion, baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm the co-champion of the, the world, world champion. Of <laughs> uh, the street chief. <laughs> no, I was kidding. I don't know. It's co-champion. It's co-champion. It's it has co-champion. a nice time co-champion like of nothing. <laughs> if, if it's not everything, it's not nothing. <laughs> he doesn't die. He multiplies homes. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out of the valley of chased by hounds. <laughs> You did it better though. <laughs> <laughs> he had his hands going. <laughs> hey, some hand games. It's how it takes. Oh man, that's great. I love that. That's just rich. That's just that's friggin' awesome. All right. Well, um, Hold on, let me take a drink real quick. I got a, <clears throat> I got a pat in my favorite Indian saying because not only did I see it on that sign, yeah, that, that dude was on the street, yeah. As I found out, my brother BJ, he's he's been saying that for years too. I don't really? know, about, I don't know about years, but he says it, and I was like, no, that's my line. Yeah, that's yours. It's mine. That's I'm. I, I'm you are the favorite I, Indian. I, I am your favorite Indian, JC. Except Not, no substitutes. Not that guy flying sign at Walmart here in town. I saw him at the by the Winco. Oh, at Winco. There's there's that guy. Remember I sent that picture. Oh yeah, he's flying sign and it says, "Can you help 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 your favorite help your favorite engine?" And right when I remember I texted you and I saw that sign, I said, "Okay, so I gave me five bucks." (laughs) (laughs) So I gave myself five right there. (laughs) All right, I got a I got a game for you. We're gonna return to this one. Scold it. All right. Yeah. It's called What Song Is It Then? Let's get it. Song Is It Then? All right, just two this time, and then we'll get into our topic. <clears throat> All right, you guys ready? Let's go. All right. <clears throat> I want to love you every day, every night. We'll be together with a roof right over our heads. We'll share the shelter. It's Bob Marley. Off my single bed. 
will share the same room. Is this love? Is this yeah. love? Is this love? <laughs> ja provides the bread. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because the way he's reading it, it sounds like, I don't know, like like, a, like you're listening to a lecture or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, I'm you to, off. That's what I try to do. That's yeah, what I'm trying that's to do. That's a good one. Okay, yeah. I, knew, I knew that would be Model easy. Tone. Nice little warm up. This one might not be so easy, but then again, it might be very easy. That's my mm. only clue. Mm-hmm. 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 <clears throat> it makes no sense. <laughs> 60% of the time It works Every time <laughs> Wait was that the song or what? No oh. <laughs> I was like yeah that's not easy um, Only know How the one or Only know how to be one way That's the dog I know how to get down Know how to bite Bark Very little But I know how to fight DMX I know how to chase a cat up in a tree. Man, I give you cowards the business for messing with me. Is you crazy? You're, hey, on, the right tra- you're on the right track. What song? I don't know. going to give it to you. Mm-hmm. No. We're right here. Nope. I get, I, I I'm drawing a blank. I could just see him on those. Hey, no Googling it, man. This guy's picking up his phone. I'm not Googling it. I was going to look at my title list. (laughs) Should I tell you? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Where the hood, where the hood, where the hood at? Where the hood, where the hood, where the hood at? That's it. Arf, arf. Arf, arf. I've been texting that to to, uh, to a few people. DMX growl. Uh. That's kind of crazy, man. It, it, it you really think about it? Like for me, yeah, I listen to DMX a lot. Oh yeah, like yeah. growing up, and it, it mm-hmm. really, uh, yeah, man, that one was kind of tough. Where I was that, like, that, for real, man. yeah, that whole weekend, all I did was YouTube, watch old interviews, watched everything. I'm like, dang, man, like, yeah, it's one of those guys that you, I never thought would die right away. <sighs> I know. I know. Yeah, this is getting crazy because, like, yeah, like growing up, man, it was a pump up jam, man. Like for high school ball, I think I shared it on a couple episodes ago. Like before every game in high school, man, we were blasting DMX. Yeah. You know? Before the coach came <clears throat> in the locker room, man, we we're blasting DMX, getting hype. Up yes, in sir. here, up, up in here. here, yeah. It's just kind of crazy, yep. and, and the way he died too is crazy. He's like. He relapsed. Mm. Yep. That's the, he was sober for a while and he relapsed, man. Yeah. And that's that whole, like, you know, cunning, baffling, powerful. Just one more time. Just one more hit. Yeah. Just one more drink. Just one more this. One more shot. You know, one more pool. And it can take you out. I think that kind of will play into our theme tonight, too. Word. You know? Like, the importance of, not not to delve into it right now, but like, no, no, no. yeah, but like, him coming home, probably having too much free time, hanging around with the same old people that he rode with the whole time. Yep. <clears throat> and that's how, you know, kind of goes back into that that whole playgrounds and old playgrounds, old playmates, yeah. and kind of the relapse triggers. Um, I had a friend, a high school buddy, that um, when I first started walking the Red Road that fall of 2015, like he was managing a sober living down in Arizona, and he relapsed. And, like, his thing was, like, heroin, man, the H. And 
like within two weeks, he OD'd. Wow. And he had been sober for like, I mean, sober long enough to manage a sober living. And then he went back out and like within two weeks he was gone. I was, I was like, oh, what? Man. I was listening to this thing about those, so some sober living houses. And this is in Florida though, it, but they said it's, it's all over. But they call them body brokers, I think was the word that they used. Mm. And they take them in there into the sober living places and those soup, the ones that own the sober living. Yeah. It kickbacks from treatment centers. Oh, really? And so, yeah, they'll, they'll supply their residents with whatever, like heroin, alcohol, whatever it is, so that they relapse. Oh, so the and, cycle, uh, huh? And then, and then the, yeah, it's a cycle. But so then they can bill again. It's kind of like why they built prisons and stuff like well, that, they, too. they can, uh, then the treatment center said, okay, well, if we send them over here, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of them. Yeah. And it costs money to go there, right? Yeah. So part of that money that they get then. Buku money. Then those sober living houses. It costs a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it is all about. I money. know, like the like the Medicaid, Medicare, like we were billing for when I was in that department. Man, it was like it was a lot, like one hundred eighty dollars per day, a day, yeah, a day that they can bill for, and that they can get the kickback from the Medicaid, Medicare. Yeah, so those- so if it's like that's why I don't like <clears throat> um, if it's a treatment facility and the, like the overhead's not in recovery kind of sketchy about that you know because then it's like business minded people running it and all they see is numbers and then in turn they're going to see the people as numbers mm-hmm. you know what i mean and and then too like like my mom made a good point one day when she said you know like if if, if you're in recovery and then you turn around and then like say you, you like you you became you get your lac yeah. and you help others who are in recovery like would you rather learn it from somebody who Learned it from a book or who actually had to go through that and now is on the right track. Word. And that's how I was, too. When I went to treatment, I was like, I don't want no paper tiger. And that lady in missions was like, what? I like that paper tiger. She said, what? And I was just like, I don't want any paper tigers. I want I want a counselor that has some dirt on them that, you know, they're in recovery or they're sober now. And she's like, oh, yeah, we got a couple of those. And she placed me with that one. Placed you with the dirty one. Yeah. Dirty dirt. What what did you call that? Paper Dirty tiger? tiger? Paper, paper tiger. tiger. Oh, paper tiger. Yeah, it's a um, a term in like firefighting. Someone that's like book knows all book knowledge and stuff, but yeah. no like no experience, no experience at all. So that's kind of crazy. Tiger. Like, how can you show somebody the way out when you've never even gone through? I know. Well, just reading a book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I can't believe they allow people in counseling that never. Been through addictions counseling. Yeah, addiction I've never counseling. been addicted. Yeah, like that should be illegal, bro. Like you know, what I mean? like, like you, you, that should be like a requirement. Yeah, you're in recovery, then you can. Then those are the addiction counselors. But it's like no, you pay buku bucks, get your degree. Word. You, you get a job, whatever you do. You know what I mean? I feel you. I feel you. All right, man. I think we're warmed up, man. You guys are chiming. You in. got any more songs? One more. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> here we go. There's power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the, of the land. Hey. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) They all know. (laughs) I like the way he does his hands. (laughs) He's got that hand game hands, hand game season. (laughs) 
<laughs> He's bringing funny. in the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> that hand game weather. <laughs> that one always cracks me up, man. That, Which that, one? That sound effect. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just get this wild picture in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, picture no, somebody good. bringing out a teepee and there's a fire there in the middle. <laughs> Not that sacred. <laughs> Not that sacred. <laughs> teepee. <laughs> okay, but if, if, if it was going to be that sacred, then you're just standing there. Don't even, don't even hardly move. <laughs> No expression. She's just standing there in Lulu's and then points with her lips. <laughs> points at you and then points that way. Yeah, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Let's get into our topic then. DJ, why don't you hit me with that beat? Ayo, let's get into our topic. Ayo, let's get into our topic. Shoda, shoda, hey, shoda, shoda, yo. Um, I don't know why I said that, but uh, welcome to episode 25, Unspoken Words. We're going to be getting into some structure. We're going to spend a little time on that, and then we're going to move into a more pressing issue uh, that in current events. But structure, structure is um, vital. It was vital to me, vital to my walk on the red road, vital to my relationship my higher power, but vital to my relationship with the Baratish, Juan the Kazush. Um, <clears throat> if I didn't have any structure early on, um, and I didn't ad- adhere to that structure, uh, then I-, I wouldn't be sitting here. Definitely. And I got this um, structure in addiction, recovery, treats, addiction, addictive behaviors. <clears throat> oh, structure in addiction, recovery, treats, addiction, behaviors. When people have been suffering from addiction to alcohol or drugs, they have developed behaviors and ways of thinking about things that both enable their addiction and discourage healthier habits. Many who seek treatment do so because their lives have become too difficult, unmanageable, and chaotic as a result of addictive behavior. While some might see this as a result of selfish behavior or refusing to consider consequences, that's not quite right. Actually, addiction has observable effects on a person's brain structure that causes long-lasting changes in behavior and thought. What some people view as a choice to act selfishly or recklessly is more accurately a brain disease caused by a choice to use a mind-altering substance. Addiction has effects on a person's behavior and thinking that ripple out into every part of their life from family, relationships, to education and work and other kinds of social activity. To put it simple terms, to put it in simple terms, addiction can make it hard to prioritize and follow through on anything other than getting and using addictive substances. As a result, addiction chips away at the social bounds, habits and lifestyles a person has built up over their lifetime. It creates new habits and compulsions that feel stronger than old ones. That's essentially how life under addiction becomes disordered, unstructured, and messy, etc., etc. <clears throat> Thoughts on that, boys? Etc. Well, you know, I, when I was thinking about this the other night, um, 
I heard the saying, and this saying can apply to a lot of things in life, but it also applies to this, is like you can't build a mansion on a swamp. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you, in other words, you need a foundation. You need that base. You need something to stand on. And I think that's what that structure provides. Word. Is a, is a foundation, a strong place to, you know. Because mm-hmm. um, like like I said, that, that saying can be applicable to so many different things in life. But you can't build a mansion on a swamp. It's not going to work. It's going to sink. It's going to fall. It's going to, in it. You know, it's gonna you're end up gonna you're gonna end up, you know, back in the muck in the mud, so to speak. Yep. So and then too, like going back to what we were saying earlier, listening to that, that's how somebody with an academics would, would say it, but I know you, I know you, and you would put it in like a few simple words, like all I wanted to do is drink. Yeah. And that's basically what you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean it just goes back to that too. Like all I wanted to do was drink. All I, I didn't you know, I mean I I guess I can, I functioned as they say, you know, like they say functioning addict or functioning alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of had that part. Kind of. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to say I was, I know. You didn't have it unlocked. I didn't have it unlocked. No, but by any means. <laughs> but, you know, as far as that structure, it was, there was no structure. It was just loosey goosey. Today, what am I going to do? How am I going to get enough to. Maybe get a bottle or get some beers or whatever. That was my first priority. Yep. Whereas you know now, now when I wake up in the morning, you know, I I, I try to I try to smudge or try to pray, get ready, and I know I have to get to work at a certain time. Mm-hmm. And you know, structure, structure, yeah, for shizzle. Yes, sir. Now I think that's vital. Like, just to kind of reiterate what you guys are saying. Like, I feel like. When we do go get sober and we come back, we do have to build up strength. And the way we do that is by having a schedule because it gives us something to do when we have too much free time on our hands, then it's too easy to go back out. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know, like, thinking back now, like, a lot of times why I would relapse was because I had too much time on my hands, mm-hmm. had no responsibilities. That's what you were saying. Like, it, it's like now you have that structure built in. And now that's how my life is. It's structured. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I go to bed around a certain time. I wake up around a certain time. Understand what I got to do, um, mm-hmm. and if I don't, sometimes I just you know like to relax. But that's very little, you know. Yep. Like it, it's very few and far between. But it it provides, like I said, that structure provides stability in my life, and that's what we need, especially as addicts, mm-hmm. alcoholics. We need we need stable, and stability only comes by following a structure. That's right. Word. Um, and structure provides, like, accountability. Yeah. Because, like, <clears throat> especially if we got people around us that are in recovery, and, then like, we can tell them, hey, this is what my schedule is, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be at this meeting. We'll go to this meeting together, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I remember before I got out of treatment, I had to fill out a part of my relapse prevention plan uh, worksheet was I had to pick out which meetings I was going to go to every day. And I was thinking about it. This week, over this past week, like, what was my schedule? I can't remember what my schedule. I was thinking about my schedule, and I think I remember it now. Um, I was going to Mondays. I was going to noon um, downtown. There's Tuesday nights. I was going to Sticks and Stones up in the Heights at 7. Wednesday nights, I was going to the speaker meeting at Recovery. Thursday nights, I was going to Par Group at 7.30. Um, Friday mornings, I was going to Brown Baggers at 6.30 in the morning. Saturday, I was going to Brown Baggers at 6.30 in the morning. And then Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., I was going to Downtowners to their speaker meeting. And that was my schedule. 
Mm. I was thinking about it, thinking about it, and I finally remembered it today. And that's what I wrote out when I was in treatment, and that's what I stuck to because I wanted to do the 90 and 90, and that's what I shot for. And a lot of times, man, like especially like those meetings when I went in the morning, I go to one in the evening too. Or if I went to that morning one, I go at noon, and then I go in the evening too. Some days I was hitting three meetings just because I was so scared of going back out. I needed to be plugged into that scene yeah. and surround myself with. Even if I didn't know anybody at the meeting, um, eventually I knew that they understood me. Um, they didn't know me, but they knew me. Yeah, You know what I mean? If you know what I mean. Yes, sir. And. Oh, I was just gonna say you kind of you kind of took my my next thought that I was you know about being in treatment because the, you know, the difference between treatment and actually getting out and walking the walking the walk yeah is is that treatment will prepare you for that and then one of the things that I always felt you know like why do I gotta why do I have to have a relapse plan why do I have to have all this these things and why do I have to identify red flags and yeah. And and these situations, high risk situations. Why do I got to do all that? I, you know, I, I know everything I'm supposed to know, but that's not the that's not it. Because you write those things down, you you identify them while you're in that safe spot. So when you're out, and then you you got, you got this plan, and you got this, it's part of that structure. Mm-hmm. And you come into these high risk situations, or these feelings, or you know anything that you identified previously. Then you see, then you recognize it, and you say, "Oh man, this isn't right." This is going to lead me down to the, you know, down the, the, the dark path. And then that way you can, you can, uh, intervene on yourself. Oh yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's, I think mindfulness. Yeah. And then, you know, like the, the whole difference between like, cause I know when I first went to treatment, I thought, yeah, if I go to treatment, then wow, pow, bam, boom, that's it. But the first time I went to treatment, I would relapse within Three days, I think. Well, I relapsed about an hour after I got back home. <laughs> I probably would have. <laughs> like, you know, I've, I've been yeah. in treatment multiple times, yeah. and I never went on my own accord until mm-hmm. the last time. Yeah. Um, but every every single time, like, I never lasted. I think the last longest I've lasted was probably about a month. I was about the sixth or seventh time, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Even even like that's that's like inpatient treatment centers like yeah. seven times, yeah. But that's not including the ILPs and the outpatients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, DUI classes, you know. Yeah, yeah. aftercare. Yeah, I, I never yeah. really took that stuff seriously. But the last time, like, just something changed. Like I was tired of hurting. Yeah, and sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah, like oh. I, I I guess like looking back on it now, like the biggest step was driving myself to treatment. Yeah, like I had no other choice though. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? I, like, did, were you court ordered again or no? I was court ordered, um, but at the same time, like it, it was probably at the darkest time of my life. Yeah, I lost mm-hmm. everything. I had nowhere to go. My mom basically was at a point in her life where she was like, "I can't," you know. Yeah, I, I can't. She set up a boundary. Yeah, like a boundary, which at the time hurt me, but. Yeah. But now I look at it, and that's really where I gained my strength from because I no longer had something to fall back on. Yeah. If everything, if everything disappeared, then I would always be welcome at my mom's house. Word. But this time it was different. 
Mm-hmm. And she basically just kind of she didn't give up on me, but it's kind of like tough love. You know? I, I I know yep. exactly what you're talking about because <clears throat> I had the same experience with my mom, and she actually called the cops on me. Yeah. But later on, you know, when when I my head was clear and I was able to actually listen, you know, and when she explained things to me from her point of view, yeah, and then I understood. It's like you said, she didn't give up on me, but she gave me. She, in her words, she said, "I gave you to God." Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I was gonna say. I just. You know, didn't want to be too religious. Like, <laughs> no, for me, you like, and the you know, Lord. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's kind of like what happened. And over there, I understood like being in that facility. I I kind of seen in, in the gamey structure like what time we got up, what we did, like every single hour of the day you were accounted for. And then I stayed on my own accord after I finished the program. I stayed a little bit longer, mm-hmm. and just. Got gained strength, you know. Yeah, no, I feel that because <clears throat> I got out of treatment, and I they put me in aftercare relapse prevention class. And I was like three hours every Monday, uh, Monday evening, and I was only supposed to do twelve weeks, but I ended up doing like thirty weeks because I was scared. Yeah, to be out of that structure, and I just like kept. I just asked my counselor. I said, "So do I have? Can, do I have to leave at twelve weeks?" And she said, "No, you can stay as long as you want." I said, okay, cool. She said, just let me know when you're ready to go. And I said, okay, cool. And then, like, I think I went through, like, four groups. <laughs> you know, the so same. Like the four little cycles that they yeah. go through, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, I just stayed there because I was scared to go. And then, and another thing, too, like, my dad, what, what really something he said to me right before I went, you know, when I went to prison, he was talking to me, and he said, you, you need to change your belief system. Yep. And at the time, I thought, you know, is he trying to be, you know, philosophical, re- yeah, re- religious, churchy, churchy, or you know, I didn't, I didn't understand it. But then yeah. now I know that man, my whole belief system has changed. And then the other thing too is like when I was in prison, I worked with uh, the psych, the psychology, psychology man. She was psychologist. She was freaking awesome. She had a PhD in it, and she was like, she was like a really cool person, and she was just so even keeled and just. Man, everything she was just—you can tell she had her, her together. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, and then, but what she said while, while while I was talking to her one day, she said, "The best thing you can do is practice right here, right now. Practice and put yourself in those situations." Yeah. Because like, you, we have like um, mini, mini scenarios, especially in prison. You know, because everybody's everybody's trying to do dirt. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, not not to say that everybody's trying to get high or drunk or you know, but everybody's breaking a rule here and there. Yeah. And then so she said, you know, practice it here, practice these little things here, and then when you get out there, it won't be so hard. And, and it was true. Yeah. Because yes. I so I started building that foundation, and I built a strong uh, structure underneath me so that when I was out, then I realized, you know, I've already been doing these kind of things. For the last three, four years. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And I think that's a huge realization. Um, um, Because I've been working with, like, guys that have been at pre-release for four or five years now. And they're like, they. I keep hearing this saying, and I've been correcting them when they say it now. It's like, well, when I'm out of here, that's when the rubber meets the road. And I'm just like, no. You're already... Walking the red road. You're already doing recovery right now. 
um, you're already <clears throat> leading that life of recovery right now. Because if you wanted to drink, you you could go to a gas station and go buy some beer. You want it. But you're choosing not to. And you're doing recovery right now. And just because you're in there um, doesn't mean that you're not. You know what I mean? And I try to bring that perspective to them because so many of them are like, when I'm out of here, that's when the rubber meets the road. That's when the real test is. And I'm like, no, it's happening. You're already doing it. Especially like over there because they're already they don't in realize this community. how strong they already are. They, yeah, they're already emulating that. <laughs> yeah, they, they realize they can do it. And just by how they're sharing in the meetings and just one-on-ones and stuff, like they got a lot of knowledge in this area of walking the red road, leading a life of recovery, having that relationship with God. They're, they're already doing it. And I tried to tried to bring that to them. Like, you're already doing it, bro. Yeah. The rubbers met the road at some point in time. Because you're choosing on a daily basis to stay sober. Yeah. It's not when you get out. It's now. Yeah. Because you have access to alcohol. You got access to whatever you abused. Yeah. And it's not only that. It's it's the little things. Because the little things are the ones that will get you. Because mm-hmm. they start to build up. And then oh, next yeah. thing you know, then you say, oh, I don't know why I relapsed. Oh, I don't know why I did this. Well, <laughs> because you weren't paying attention to all that BS that was back there. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I've been into, I, ha- I hate to say it, but I've been in that previous a couple of times. Yeah. And you could tell, you can tell just by the little things that people do and the way they, their little habit, or, you know, the things that they do, the small stuff, that, 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 that guy, he's not, he's not on the right Play, track. Playing the game. He ain't going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, the game. just little things like, you know, if you're drinking a, you're drinking a pop and you just leave your empty can on the table, that's a sign. Yep. It's a red flag. If you if you can't get that can and take it to a trash can, like you know you're supposed to, mm-hmm. to me that's a sign. Yeah. Or of use? Or, or, huh? Of use? No, not of use, but of you know, like your your mind is not in the right place. Oh, like they're yeah. slipping. With you're their, slipping. With they're slipping. Okay. Yeah. So you got to pay attention to the little stuff. Like a lot of them, I noticed they don't, always being aware. They, they piss all over the toilet, yeah. and they don't wipe it up. Or they don't clean up after themselves in common areas, or you know they wash their clothes, but then they don't fold them. Mm. <clears throat> Those little things, because that's all part of that structure. That's all part of that plan. That's all part of you expressing your your your. Uh, I don't know how to put it. It's just you expressing the fact that you you're on top of your game. You got a clear mind. You got a clear mind. Okay, this yeah. is what I got to do right now. It's only going to take yeah. five minutes to fold my clothes. Boom, put them away. That's done. Now I can go mess around. Yeah. But instead, I'm just going to wash and throw them on my bed. Then Take I'm going to go. I'm going to go see my homeboy down the hall because you know he's got a yeah. movie or something. Yeah. Or you know my girlfriend's waiting for me. We're going to go out on a pass or whatever. Yeah. And then you just, just but it, it you can tell. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense now. I feel you on that. I feel you yes, on that. Sir. Thought you were talking about me there for a second. <laughs> but I, mean, I was like, I was thinking about that. My clean, there's some clean clothes sitting in a basket at my house that I haven't folded yet. <laughs> I know. I started picturing my house. I'm like, and yeah. I, you know, and that's not to say that's not to say you have to be perfect. No, you know, I know. I'm just playing. Be, I'm just playing. You got to be. Did I make my bed this morning? <laughs> so, but I mean, you know, it's those little things, just, just mm-hmm. that kind of build up. And I noticed, you know, I kind of I was slacking on a little bit of my upkeep just because of my shoulder and mm. i thought you know that's no that's really no excuse 
because yeah. then you know that then I think well maybe maybe this is getting to me and then I, it kind of builds up yeah this is this might be getting to me and sneaking up on me and I don't even know it so guess what I'm gonna clean my freaking whole thing and I don't care you know if, if it's gonna it's gonna hurt anyway so I might as well yeah. get stuff done <clears throat> little things little things yeah for sure no, I like that yeah yeah it's definitely like the little things like I'm always saying you know God's in the simple things. Like the simple things like getting up, saying your prayers, doing your reading, starting your day off right. And even if you miss that, then you can, like JC always saying, you can start your day over at any moment in time. Um, any kind of closing thoughts on structure? I just got this one thing that I wanted to read, and then we can transition over to... Kick it, kick it. All right, here we go. Uh, structure in addiction recovery promotes long-term sobriety. Remember, addiction often causes long-lasting changes in the brain that affect thinking, habits, behavior, attitudes, and desires. It's not easy to simply change these <clears throat> adapted patterns. To stay in recovery, someone who has completed an addiction treatment program must incorporate what they learned into long-term into a long-term lifestyle. The difficulty of changing behavioral patterns that have been locked into a brain into the brain by addiction also explains why some people go through multiple recovery programs before they find their sobriety really sticking. Ultimately, the goal of a rehab program is to empower the individual to put the healthy structures they learned in rehab into effect in their own lives. You foster a strong sense of recovery by consciously practicing good recovery habits. The person in active recovery learns the difference between practicing healthy habits and unconsciously falling into unhealthy habits. Exactly what you were just now saying. Yeah, without even knowing it. Yep. Um, one thing that <clears throat> um, the nineteen ninety, like I, I wanted to do that because that was like a strong suggestion coming out of treatment, and like behind behind that is like it takes like twenty one days for like for you to like learn something like a habit, um, behavioral habit. So after twenty one days of going to meetings, it just became like this is what I do now, and what seems so difficult. When I got out of treatment, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to a meeting every day. After a few weeks, after three weeks or so, it was like, okay, it's Tuesday. I'm going to this meeting. Um, it's Tuesday. I got to work from 8 to 4. Then I'm going to go get something to eat. Then I'm going to this meeting. Or it's Friday. Okay, Friday, I got to get back at 5.30, shower, get to the meeting by 6.30 a.m., and then go to work. And You know, it just became what I did. And then... Something happened that day was too overwhelming. I went to another meeting, um, <clears throat> and I didn't like downtime. I was hardly at my apartment <laughs> by myself, so I was always I was at a meeting or some some nights, you know, two meetings. Go to meeting at six. Go to meeting at eight, just because I didn't want to be sitting home. Um, but like what I said, seemed so hard and difficult when I first started. It just became what I did. And so if you're out there, you're just um, starting recovery, um, hit some meetings, do 90 and 90. Yes. And keep up with those good habits, those little things. And then pretty soon you won't even be thinking about it. You'll just do it automatically. Yep. Because we didn't become raging alcoholics or these difficult addicts overnight. Mm -hmm. We developed those habits over time. Mm -hmm. And you can do the same thing with positive things. There's a positive cycle too. Yeah. So that's important to remember. 
and don't give up on yourself because we won't give up on you. Yes, sir. Do not be too hard on yourself. Yes, sir. All right. Well, um, thank you guys for providing some your perspective on structure. It's very vital, and I think we can always come back to it, definitely. Um, so this week, um, we got a guilty verdict, right? Derek Chauvin. Yes. Guilty on all three counts. And I want to hear what your guys' take is on the whole thing. Or just on the guilty verdict or whatever. Just what do you what do you got to say on it? Well, the first thing I would say is it's about time. I mean, man, it, how many times have we seen this play out before? And then you know, not, they say not guilty. Yep. Uh I don't know how old you guys were when Rodney King was going on, but I remember those riots. But see, the thing with the difference between that and now is is that we were watching that on T V. That was in one spot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those riots and all those people <clears throat> lashing out, but I have this feeling or this thought that had it been not guilty, then that would have been just like those protests last year would have been everywhere. Yep. I mean, it would have just been. Oh man, I'm so glad that they, you know, it's it's calm. Yep. But you, bruh. I mean, I didn't know what to feel. Like, it didn't make me feel happy. Yeah. Um, because a man lost his life at the hands of the police. Po-po. Um, but it <clears throat> it's good that he was held accountable. I guess now it's just like to see what type of sentence he gets. If this is just like, uh, you know, kind of like one that they sacrifice. The sacrificial Yeah. Man, the martyr. Um, and, but at the, like at the end of the day, like, like I'm not happy that, this cop is losing out on his life. Like, that don't make me happy to see him suffer, like, as a person, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's, like, for as far as, like, what I believe, but at the same time, it, I think about it, and I'm like, if I was to commit a murder, society would not think twice about putting me away, and what hurts me, what grieves me is, like, why is it so hard to hold our police accountable? True. And I feel like things aren't going to change. And, and and we've already seen that. We see uh, the young girl that was shot that same day. Dude, like right before the guilty verdict, mm. she was shot in, in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Um, so things aren't going to change right away. But it is a step in the right direction. When you when I think about it, I'm like, okay, that's kind of encouraging. It's also opening up dialogue with my white friends like a lot of, you know, Mm-hmm. One of my best, like one of my really good friends, he, he's white, and we have these tough discussions behind the scenes. But it's encouraging to see that. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw it, like I, I didn't really know what to think. Like even now, like I'm still processing the whole thing. Because at the end of the day, like this man is not going to come back to life, but it opened up a whole can of worms. And I'm I'm happy because had there been a not guilty verdict like we'd seen previously, mm-hmm. bro, the whole country would have been in an uproar. I believe that it it would probably would have hit, even hit here. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that note, I was like, I, I thank God, like it didn't happen that way. Yeah. Um, another thing that really grieves me is like the justification. Yep. Like I had one of my Facebook friends say, I believe that this guy was guilty, and then she proceeded on about three or four different paragraphs. Oh wow! Explaining the actions of paid protesters and there's like 20, 40 buses being chipped down there. And 
And I'm like, man, you know what? That's society. You have this murder on tape, and you still got a lot of the mainstream society explaining it away. Yep. And and justifying why it happened. Mm -hmm. Not realizing that our lives are in jeopardy every day. Anytime we encounter a cop. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely a long way way to go. I can understand that, too, because... If if you're if you're white, then that that would make you feel uncomfortable. If I think that's what it is, they they don't feel comfortable talking about it because then it's it, it's almost they feel like I I think it's like they think it's a reflection on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I find out about white America, like, I, and I'm not being like what I find out like it, it's crazy. They hate to be put into a group mm. because their society is built on individualism. Yeah. But they have absolutely no problem throwing us in a group. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People have, you, you understand? Like, they'll, they'll like, throw us in a box and discriminate. Yeah. They want. yeah. Oh, that's a, they got darker skin tone than me. Let's lock the doors. Or, but if we do that to them, it's yeah. like, no, that's not me. And they get offended. Oh, yeah. Yep. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <clears throat> no, like, uh, on that note, like, you know, I was working with these police officers, and they were talking about how people hate on them and all this and that. <clears throat> and But at the end of the day, they can take off their uniforms and just blend right into the crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to wear the skin 24-7, 365. I'm uh, wearing my regalia every day. Yep. I'm, I, got, I can't take off this garb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I think my whole perspective on the whole thing was that <clears throat> you guys touched on what where my mind went right away. Cause when I read the text message, I found out the guilty verdict from JC to the group text. Cause I was in a meeting. I was, I wanted to watch it, but I found out through there and I was like, I was like, yes. At first I was like, yes. And then after I got out of the meeting, <clears throat> um, I watched the verdict, you know, online stuff. And as I was watching it, listening to that judge read, read out the, you know, the charges and then guilty, and guilty and guilty again I was like you know I went very cynical I was like they seen you know like the jurors and then I even my thoughts went even to like someone must have said this is what's on the line not only this man's you know future but if you guys do not convict him they're going to burn the city down yeah. they're going to burn multiple <clears throat> cities down and there's going to be a green light on every cop um, is what I was thinking. You know, it was just like, boom, that just hit me. And I was just like, whoa, there was just so much more riding on this, the jury's um, outcome, their yeah, conviction, their decision. <clears throat> Cause if it was not guilty, um, I might've went rioted one man, right. <laughs> you know? Um, and they already seen, the level of anger that was um, stirred up last summer with all these protests. They even burned down the precinct where this cop worked. What would they burn down if it was a not guilty? You know what I mean? <clears throat> um, when I was talking to someone about that, actually I was talking to Talisha about that. And then she was saying, I, was, I just said what I just now said. And then she was like, well, I think that could be true, but I think the jury 
because she's been done jury work before. Um, she said, I think the jury just chose to do the right thing. Mm. And I just like, man, that just hit me. She's like, they finally decided to do the right thing. And then I was just like, wow, that's powerful. So my my hat's off to the jurors. Yes. They decided to do the right thing. They went against the grain and did the right thing. Yep. Because for so long, uh, society has given cops a pass. Yep. Like, they are allowed, like, what gets me as a cop, like, you're, like, there's like a no cell phone law, right? Yeah. While driving? Yeah. But how many times have you seen a cop using their cell phone at the stoplight? Not even that. They used them little laptops. And they used the laptops. Like, and, or you'll see a cop, they're supposed to enforce the law, speed limit 35, and they're freaking blazing 56 miles an hour with no lights on. Yeah. Like, they're. Like, they make it, they are habitual in breaking the laws that they're called to enforce. Yep. Um, and, and and don't get me wrong, like, I'm not against cops. I believe that we need cops, but we need good cops. Yeah. We need cops that speak up and speak out like they did with this guy. Exactly. And the, the <clears throat> I know, uh, well, if you see what they, like the, 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 the Blue Brotherhood or whatever it is that they call it, um, they have a lot of the same unwritten rules that they do with, like, say, a gang. They're the biggest gang in America is cops. Yeah. Like, uh, you, you don't rat, on your, you don't rat yeah. on your bros. You don't rat on the homies. You keep your mouth shut. Cops mm. in America are the biggest gang. Oh, like, yeah. They are the biggest gang in America. And, it, and it's crazy because, like, they got to realize, too, like, most Americans probably don't even hate them. They're just tired of being pushed around. Oh, yeah. I know I am. But it, well, I wouldn't even say most of America. It's just I, I think it's people of color. Because but even but even white Americans are seeing the problem now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but at the same time, um, the the way that law enforcement treats soccer moms, we'll say, yeah, is different from the way they treat us if we were pulled over. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I've seen videos of. White ladies, when they get pulled over and they're just screaming at the cops, why'd you pull me over? Yes. Rah, 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 and just screaming and just go carrying on. And then the cop just stands there and calm down, calm down, okay, calm down. And they're just going off and popping off. They don't, you know, they don't say, put your hands on the, fr-, you know, let me see your hands or get out, get on the ground, you know, all this and that and the other. If, say, a black person did the same thing, started screaming around, why are you pulling me over, you son of blah, 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 and started cussing at him and, you know, I got somewhere to be. My 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 kid's gonna soccer. What do they call it when you first start? Is it the tip off for soccer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, kick out of kick off. Okay, okay. Well, my my son's kick off is in yeah fifteen minutes. You're gonna make me late. And you, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. but they they get that they're they're treated differently, and they are like like if you think about it, look at us. Mm-hmm. Like you look at the reservation, right? Yeah. There are so many people that do not leave the reservation. Why? Because as soon as they cross that border, they're targeted. Mm. If you got 22 plates in the city of Billings, you're probably, your chances of getting stopped are higher. Oh, yeah. Yep. And rocking three plates. Yeah. Or let alone if you got a tribal plate. Yeah. You got the Crow tribe on your plate, I guarantee you. The, the chances of you getting stopped are a lot higher. 
Oh, yeah. Yep. Than the soccer mom driving down the road. They don't yep. even sell those anymore. Did you know that? Yeah. They don't have those plates anymore. I never knew that, but. But it, it, it's I don't like, know. I just. Sorry. But that's because, like, you're leaving where we put you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you're out of your area. Mm-hmm. And we need to put you back there. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's ingrained in society. Well, what they fail to realize and understand is that this is our area. This has been our area mm-hmm. for hundreds of years. That little imaginary line up there up on top of the hill, that doesn't mean nothing to us. Just like, you know, that border up north, you know, those those people that are north of the border are still our relatives mm-hmm. in that little imaginary line. And, you know, and when we when I say that, I know that there are some uh, white people that'll just you know, oh, but that's a uh, international blah blah blah, and it's the law, and you know that was there. I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm not going to try to put words into anybody's mouth, but they don't like the fact that I that's the way I put it because that's all it is. It's just somebody said, okay, this is a line right here. You stay on that side of the room. This is my side of the room. You come over here. You're gonna have to show me your paperwork. Yes. You're gonna have to you know do this that mm-hmm. and the other, but. To native people, since the beginning, we've been crossing. I mean, we've been going everywhere, and there's no lines, yeah, so to speak. True, 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 true. <clears throat> um, and like I remember explaining to my my son one time, um, he said, "Why did they kill all those people?" He was talking about our ancestors and stuff, and I said, "It boils down to." Um, <clears throat> their concept of the land. I said, the, you know, the Caucasians, the people, the Europeans that came over, they thought they owned the land. They think they own the land. I said, our ancestors, we understood that we belong to it. Now we're just stewards of the land. And, and that's what, you know, that whole thing, like stay there. This is where we put you. It's like, no, that's imaginary. You know? Yeah. There's borders, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But um, like both said, man, we were here first. And I'm always saying that too, man. Uh, we're always here. And like the, go back to the thing about the cops, like the biggest gang, man, the prime example is like Standing Rock. Yeah. Where's the charges against those guys? Majority of those guys that were there, the police, they had no jurisdiction. They came from all over yeah. America to go over there. Even private security guards. Yeah. They had no jurisdiction. Where's, who's throwing the book at those guys? Nobody's nobody, charged. Nobody's charged. They're all behind masks, which is strategic. You, you know? know what I believe Like a, a solution to this problem would be? Like if they took the cops' retirement. Like, if the cop kills somebody unjustly, they lose their pension. Yep. And they pay for insurance out of their own pocket as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that would let cops think twice about pulling the trigger Mm -hmm. when somebody doesn't look like them. Because you see it happen far too much. And Billings is not immune. Nope. Billings, like I said, for cities our size... We are high up in the standings. Yep. As far as police <laughs> standings. shootings. Like that's a, that's a crazy way to say but yeah, yeah, yeah. no, like, I mean know what you mean. <laughs> like standings. that day that female police officer shot and killed that um that guy that was driving off. Oh yeah. yeah. Um 
like that very next day, this 65-year-old Caucasian male arguing with the store because he didn't want to wear Bro. a mask. There was like, At the Menards? Yeah, there was like police officers standing all around the truck with ARs, with guns, none of them drawn. There's even a police officer on his running boards trying to open the door, and he he blazes off with the Donkey police officer. hit him and, eight times. And the police officer didn't draw a gun, didn't shoot out his tires, nothing, and took him into custody. Oh, they just let it ride. And I'm, I was like, man. I had this discussion with somebody that came into my office, and he was like, well, you can't compare. They're, those are two different police departments. Bro. Huh. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how stupid you sound right now? Yeah. I, yeah. I was I was listening to uh, my stepfather who was in law enforcement for 40 years, I think. Mm-hmm. And ultimately ended up becoming chief judge in uh, Fort Belknap. He's retired now, but, you know, he was, uh, not only was he a police officer, but he was a CI, criminal investigator. And he's sitting there and he's like, he goes, yeah, he goes, how can you not tell the, and this is somebody who actually goes around with those things. Yeah. So with, with guns and tas- uh, tasers. And he goes, you know, how can you not know the difference between a gun and a taser? He said, you'd put the taser on your weak side and you put your gun on your strong side. Yeah. And then if you automatically go to your strong side and plus it, he said the color. Yeah. One's bright yellow. Cause you know, that's that was her thing. She said, I thought I was a 26 year veteran. I thought, I thought it was a taser, but you know, it, it, it's a, first of all, the feel of it, then the color. And then what he was, what, what he was saying really hit home too is like, you know, you put your gun on your strong side and the taser's on your weak side. Yeah. So, I mean, that right there, like, it just, like, we always use like sports analogies, right? Yeah. And I, I like, if I see, uh, Josiah dribbling up the court and I think, okay, this guy, I know he's going to, he likes to go right. You know, he likes to go right. And then, because that's his strong side. Force him to his weak side. Yes, force him to his weak side. Mm -hmm. So we know that, I mean, just that meant, I mean, I know that's kind of a weird analogy. No, I get it. But, but, you know, we know the strong and the weak side. Yeah, and did you see the video? Yeah. That's a part of it. She has the gun out in full view of herself, in full view of her camera, and then as he's getting in there wrestling around, and, like, she puts it below the cop and pulls the trigger. The cop in front of her puts it below his underpit, his arm, and pu- puts it right on, right on him, and pulls the trigger. I think she yelled "taser" just to throw it off. Oh yeah, I think she knew what she was doing. She knew what she was doing, and as soon as he drives off, she's like, "Oh my god, I think I shot him. I think I shot that dude." A twenty-six-year veteran, you put on your belt every single day of your working life. Yep, and you make a mistake. And she was like, like you're a training officer. Yeah. Oh, like, you're training these officers on the do's and the don'ts of your field. Yep. The other thing that uh, my stepfather said, too, was, like, she must, she, she pro- maybe she's never been in that kind of a situation, ever, mm. where she, you know, cause like, if, you, if even if you're <clears throat> trained, like, in that, remember we were talking to that one guy, that uh, black dude that came down here that day? Oh, what was his name? I can't remember. But he was talking about like how they sent. He goes into like these countries like where it's real volatile, and you're always under that stress. And he said, when you actually get into those situations, your 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 adrenaline's up there, your mind's racing. And he goes, that's why you know cops can shoot ten times and then nobody gets hit because they're just. But you know, on the range, they're like, yeah, they're yeah. Mm. 
But you know, so he said maybe she's never been in that kind of a situation before. No, be true. But I mean, yeah, that's he, not to excuse no. I mean, no. You, you bringing that up is like, I remember one of the police officers I w- used to work with. He was like, you know, he was kind of breaking it down to me one day, and he was like, <clears throat> he's like, these guys that become police officers and they've never been in a street fight. He said, I don't trust them. He's like, he's like, I've been in tons of street fights before I even became a cop. So when it gets hairy, he said. He said, the last thing I think of is to shoot or even to pull my gun. And so you brought up a good point there. Um, she's probably, she probably went the route. She's probably a paper tiger. Yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah, I get it. Paper tiger. Okay. Yeah. She's never actually been in that kind of situation. That, that might have been her first one. Yeah. I mean, not to give her an excuses, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's why it's important to um, do like the George Floyd Act. Yeah, you know? and, and I think like I, another important part of that, you know, when you bring up the, that that George Floyd act or whatever it is that they call it, um, how they want to put like, like whatever, whatever your record will follow you. So Having like, a database. So like, like I, me as a felon, yeah. if I try to go to move to Arizona and get a job or whatever, they're gonna know that I have a felony, yeah. con- you know, a felony conviction. Yeah, yeah. So I can't, you know, like essentially move away from my mistakes. Yes. But uh, they, they they can do that too. They can they can uh get in trouble in Billings and then maybe move to Bozeman and become a police officer over there. Well they shouldn't have these new new caps getting into it's some kinda, street fights. It's kinda <laughs> it's kinda crazy that we even like till this point because most of society is taught to really respect the law. You know, oh, yeah, and and for the most part we do, but then at the same time, like I think what makes it worse for police forces all across the country is when things like this do happen, they don't rat them out. Yeah, and that, that game, that's what game makes mentality. It, yeah, that's what makes the good cops. Like people are saying, yeah, there's good. They're not all bad, they're, but it's like, yeah, the good cop becomes bad when he doesn't say nothing. Mm-hmm. True that. Well, you're yeah. complicit in your silence. Yeah. Yep. Guilty by association. So it's like they're doing the exact same things that they send people to prison for on a daily basis. Mm. Yeah, and, and not only that, got, not only that, but like they if they try to defend themselves and say, "Well, yeah. I didn't do that. You're trying to put me in a box with those people." But that's yeah. what they're doing. That's what they're doing. That's you what know, I said. I saw on TV the other day this black guy pulled a gun and shot uh, shot at police officers, and then I go pull over this black guy, and he's black, so you know you're going to do the same thing. So I'm going to get to you first. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like that's like when people think of of Native Americans, they think we're all lazy. Yeah, we don't drunks. work. We're drunks. Like we're all this. They put us all in the box, right? Yeah. But when we do that about them, they get really offended. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say they. Like, like <laughs> it sounds. Those I sound people. Like, yeah, I sound like I'm jacked <laughs> up. But, but like it's like when we put it like when we put it bluntly like. And because they value individualism so much, mm-hmm. they hate being put in the same boxes that they put us in. True. Very true. That's why I hate boxes. <laughs> I always break boxes. I like bows. <laughs> what? You can have cereal in a bow. <laughs> oh, I thought you said bow like a like a ribbon. Oh, bowl, bowl, bowl. Yeah, yeah that's I, a think we, I think we got to do that though, man. Like, enforce the George Floyd Act, defund the police. Well, that's not saying that we don't need cops. It's not saying that we're taking their money away. 
But I have a problem when you got your local police force building up their freaking arsenal and they look like the army. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, they look like the army and we're supposed to be like, come on now. Yeah. Like, you got... All these cops are trained, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't get guns pointed at us every day. And we're supposed to be okay. Yeah. Like we're not we're the we're supposed to be the ones that don't make a mistake. Yeah. But if I'm pointing a gun in your face and telling you to stay calm, <laughs> that's dumb. Yeah, true that. They're the ones that are trained. And I also think it's funny that if you wanted to become a barber, you got to go through more training than it takes to become a police officer. Oh wow. All you got to do is go to the academy. Mm-hmm. And ride around. But when you become a barber, it takes longer. Yeah. And I read I read a post from, you know, high school friend, one of the bros, he became a police officer. And he's a good guy. And I you know, I imagine, you know, he's a good cop. And definitely <clears throat> they're out there. There's gotta be some way some kind of mental health tests or something to weed out the bad. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, I was in that, I sat at that table with the police officers and stuff. I was an honored guest when I worked down here and stuff. So I got to see the ins and outs and, you know, there is more good than bad. Yeah. But, <clears throat> you know, you know the old saying, when bad apple spoils the bunch. Yep. And unfortunately, too many of our people have met the bad ones. Yep, that suffered in their hands. Mm-hmm. Another, like I had this uh, this thing that says, some people saw the video of a man being murdered and are pissed off at a guilty verdict. They are being very loud about it right now. Remember them. You don't have to be friends with them anymore. Exactly. You don't need to go to the wedding or help them move. They suck. Word. It's a lot more colorful language than that. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, but you think about it, and I'm like, man, like, because I see my friends too. I told you, I'm like, man, how, like, how can you still justify this shooting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, <clears throat> I met with a friend like back in January, and he's like, you know, far right, you know, um, <clears throat> he's mixed and everything, but he was spitting that rhetoric to me about he was resisting arrest, he was a drug addict, and blah blah. blah. He had his record past. and all this, and I was just like. Whoa, whoa, man, I was shocked, you know, yeah. as a fellow kind of minority, you know, person of color to be saying that to me, I was just like, whoa, you know, I was, I, I was so shocked. I really didn't have anything to say. Yeah. And that kind of ended our um, conversation. I was like, yeah, man, it was good to see you head out, you know, um, you are not my friend. I got to set up some boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, wow. It was like. Yeah, I hear you regurgitating that narrative, but what does your heart tell you? Yeah. You know, just because somebody's drinking, so just because somebody's getting high, just because somebody's uh, a person of color, whatever, you know, that that was a human being. Yeah. Yes. that was, And then, you know, he might have been resisting, but they had him down, they had him cuffed, they had him, you know. Yeah. Let him kick and scream on the ground all he wants. No matter how bad of a person he was, 
He still had people that loved him. Yeah. Because he was a human being. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that goes for, you know, like, I, I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. I've been in there. I know what it's like to be in prison. And granted, there are some people that just, you know, don't deserve to be walking the streets right now. Uh-huh. But they're human beings, and but yeah. they're but they're treated like animals, mm. you know. And I, the way I figure, you know, you treat somebody like an animal, they're gonna tend to act like an act animal. like an animal. Mm. Yeah, I need. Yeah, I hear that. You guys need to quit treating me like an animal. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I had I was gonna say. So, oh yeah, yeah, and it. it I'm glad you brought up the fact that, you know, uh, Derek Chauvin himself, he's a human being too. Um, yeah. He did something wrong. He was He's being held accountable. Uh, I would hope that he would see the error of his ways and then, you know, change yeah. change his thought process, change his life. Because, you know, I, I honestly felt bad for him too because I yeah. know what it's like to sit in that courtroom. I don't wish that on my worst and, and And then be led away in handcuffs and, you know. There's yeah. also a, a a freaking meme that went around that said when Chauvin uh, was found guilty, he stood up and put his hands behind his back. Imagine if George Floyd did that. We'd be in a different place. Like, no. <laughs> that just, like, that was the tipping point. Yeah. You know, like, where minorities have been crying out for so long and never being heard. Mm-hmm. And then finally seeing it captured on video. Um and and it opened up a uh, a lot of uh, mainstream society's eyes, for sure. But again, you know, I I, I don't mean to cut you off, but no, that that makes, like I said, it makes white people uncomfortable. Yeah, it makes them uncomfortable to see or to have to admit the fact that they've been benefiting from a system that was slanted toward or that was built for them and not for us. Yeah. I'm not going to say it was slanted. I'm not going to say it's biased. It wasn't even created for us. Yes. And you can say, oh, well, I have black friends and I, I do this, that, and the other. And I know I've been to powwows or I live on the reservation. But as white people, they still benefit from that system, yes. whether consciously or unconsciously. And so when something like that comes up, then you got to try to find something to alleviate. We, we, we know all about trying to use rationalization, justification, and all these other defense mechanisms to alleviate our uncomfortable feelings. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we know that because we're addicts, we're, we're alcoholics, and we, we've used that before. So I, as speaking from that point of view, I can understand how and why, quote, unquote, good people will say things like that. Yeah. Because they're just trying to alleviate their own bad feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally feel that. <clears throat> um, and back to the whole thing, like the whole Chauvin. Yeah, man, I just like I remember your post is like I hope he finds salvation through this, like kind of you know changing the air of his ways. And JC, you just now kind of touched on that too. Like when I watched the verdict, you know his eyes, man. I was watching his eyes. Yeah, he was like boom, boom, boom. He's going back and forth, looking at the judge, probably looking at somebody else in the courtroom. He's going back and forth, and but then boom, right when they say guilty, is he was just fixated. He was just right on the judge. And then he read the next verdict and the next verdict. And then he was just sitting there blinking, blinking. And I was just like, man, he probably feels horrible right now. You know? Just yeah. like, it just like, it just seemed like everything was just dawning on him in that moment. And I was just like, man. Like, same thing. I felt bad for him. 
It's like, dang, this guy made a huge mistake. Yeah, and there was something, and I, wa- I remember watching that too, and I'm, like there was something in his nonverbals, and you really can't pick it up consciously. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a subconscious thing. Yeah. But I could, man, I could almost feel what he was feeling because I, like the fear, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's probably what it was mostly pro- was I, fear. I thought it was his pride. Mm. Like, you know, because for so long of his adult, adult life, he was at the top of society had all this authority and it was all stripped away right there. Mm. Like he realized like he was going to be put in cuffs. He was going to be put in the same things that he's put on countless others. Yeah. And I felt like that was his pride. Like, dang. And, and another thing that I thought of in that moment was like, you know what, man, I hope this guy don't kill himself. Yeah. I, I pray that they surround him with round the clock surveillance. Mm-hmm. Um, because he does need to, you know, atone for his mistake mm. and not take the easy way out and kill himself and not go through it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm not asking for like nothing bad to happen, but it's like, that's my thought. I'm like, yeah, yeah this yeah. is a ex police officer who probably is going to get tortured. If he is ever putting into any kind of different like, general population. Yeah. Like, I don't think he'll ever be in general population, but at the same time, like they're not going to be able to hold them like forever. Like, yeah. I feel like there will be a point where he crosses paths with somebody. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And. Yeah, as they say, like, he's green-lighted. Yeah, so I hope, you know, I hope that, number one, I hope he finds salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I hope he doesn't kill himself. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, he has to be like, like like I said, if, if one of us was to commit murder, like, we would have to sit through our sentence, too. For sure. Yeah, and like you guys both said, you guys both touched on too, man. That's a human being. That's a that's somebody's son. You know, that's somebody's uncle. You know, yeah. I don't know if he has any kids. I didn't really look into. I it. don't know. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, it kind of grieves me though, man. As a person, yeah. I'm like, yo, this whole situation is ugly. It's just sad. Yeah, yeah, it's ugly. It is, but it, but and it's ugly and it's difficult. But at the same time, it's necessary, for sure. Because without that, we'd, we'd we wouldn't even be having this dialogue right now. Yeah. We wouldn't even be able to talk about. We would. I mean, we we could because yeah. we see it. But now that you know, white America saw it, and then they're starting to realize, hey, there's there really is something going there's on. There's two there. Americas. There really is something going on there. So, mm-hmm. um, George. George Floyd, God rest his soul, and all the other people, you know, that are, that have been murdered by law enforcement. Um, I think it's important that we not make their losses, um, how would you say it? Uh, minimized? Minimized. Minimized. Not well, minimized, but make it for nothing. It was like they didn't die for nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah. In vain. Yeah, they didn't yeah. die in vain that, you know, we'll remember them by fighting for change, by speaking out and trying to get that back and forth with white America saying, hey, we can't breathe and we need your help. Because ultimately, you know, we've been kicking and screaming since the beginning and mm-hmm. nobody listens. But now that we have their ear, I think it's important for us to keep, you know, the the pressure on and, and keep keep that dialogue going because you know what what might happen you know next month it might be the next big thing yeah and yeah. then pretty soon because you know rodney king 
were talking about that. That was just that's, thirty that, years ago. That was like that. Yeah. Then all of a sudden we quit talking about it. Yeah. Thirty years ago, Rodney King was beat and it was captured on video. Mm-hmm. Thirty years before that, it was Emmett Till. Mm-hmm. You know who went to prison? What what happened to Emmett Till? Um, and then now, thirty years later, like you got the whole George Floyd situation. So like, I feel like we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and really, like our white friends, like the way that we combat that white privilege is by you voicing out when you see something wrong. Oh yeah, not being afraid, like using your privilege in the right way. Yeah, recognizing the error, you know, and and speaking up on our behalf. That's the way that you guys can help. It's like rather than avoid the situation and not talk about it and and basically shove it under the rug, like you open up your voice and you speak out and say, man, no, that's not right. Like I saw what you did or, you know, whatever you see that's unjust, speak up and use your privilege in the right way. Word. And that kind of goes back to like one of my biggest takeaways from that cross-community reconciliation pilot program that we're part of here in Billings, um, that we need more ambassadors, Yeah, you know, cross-culturally, cross-cultural ambassadors um, to educate themselves and not turn down an opportunity to educate like that. Um, you see some injustice, you're like, oh, hey, whoa, this is not cool, you know, kind of just step in. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So we need some Karens in the <laughs> ambassador business. Yes, sir. <laughs> we need them Karens to start screaming about something else now. <laughs> Speaking of which, just the other day, I went into, I can't remember where I was going into, but there was a white lady right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And she was walking in and she opened the door and she turned around to see who was behind her. I think maybe hold the door or whatever. But I wasn't like right behind her. I was yeah. maybe about 15 feet behind her and she had one of them purses and then she seen she saw me and then she like i don't know if she did it subconsciously or what but she there's like a little clip on there she clicked it when she saw me oh in her car no huh we were walking oh she but she had her purse on her and then that purse had the, the flap oh. the flap had the little clip yeah and she clicked she she saw me and then she just kind of <laughs> And, I, and that's what I did too. I just started kind of, kind of giggled to myself and I thought, that ain't going to stop me. That wouldn't stop <laughs> that, me if I was going to do that, that to that, you. That little yeah. clip ain't going to stop me. <laughs> what was it the other day we were walking down here? Um, me and my coworkers, you know, like females and stuff, they're like older and whatever. And we just went for a walk. Yeah. You know, just a self-care walk. We just walked around. We just walked around downtown and we go back to the office. And we were walking, we are crossing the street, and there's this guy, like, in a suit, and he had a suitcase with the wheels and stuff and the handle that comes way up, and you can just kind of pull it along. He was doing something on his phone, and he looked up at us, and, man, he just took off. You mean, like, ran? He ran. He was pulling his little cart, and, like, he was in a little trot, and just, like, ran away from us, and, man, I just busted out laughing. He should have started running. Crazy? He looked back a couple, he looked back a couple times. I was like, what What the hell? You should have ran alongside him. <laughs> what are we what running, are we running from? from? What are we running from? Ah, cool. What's going on? <laughs> Where are we going, bro? Are we late? <laughs> We're always late. <laughs> That's crazy, though. <laughs> ran alongside him and looked back. What are we running from? I know. But yeah, it, it, it exists. It's still out there, and we got a long way to go, but 
man, I just, I hope, my hope is that, you know, just like I said when we were at the, at CCR, it's like my hope is that someday we'll, we can tell our kids, you know, there was a time when it was like this, but it's not like this anymore. Yeah. Because we worked for change. Yes. Mm-hmm. Word. Yep. Um, I think that's awesome. You know, thinking about the unborn, moving in that direction. And I think the hugest thing, like being down here, being downtown and seeing how the downtown businesses looked at the people on the street and they just, you know, put them in that whole box of like street people. Um, it didn't like, it didn't really matter. I mean, majority of the street people here are natives and stuff, but you know, there's other, um, shades of skin represented. (laughs) <clears throat> but they took the humanity out of the interactions. Um, so, and I see that in this mainstream society, they take the humanity, they take the, take the realness out of interactions into our, they take the humanity and realness out of daily life. And they just want you to consume, consume, stay in fear, consume, consume, stay in fear. Um, <clears throat> and I'm just, I've had to pull back. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm woke, but I've pulled back a lot yeah. from the mainstream society. Like, you know, I drive around a soccer mom car and I'm cool with that, man. That don't bother me none. Yeah. Serves a purpose. You know what I mean? And I don't, I've, I've been able to, despite walking red road, working on myself, being in recovery, I've been able to put the humanity into a lot of my interactions you know, and I go into situations like I don't even think about uh, prejudice or racism stuff. I'm just going to go in there and do my thing and then leave. And sometimes I'm aware, like that guy running away from us, like I kind of see that kind of stuff, but it don't bother me, man. I'm just like, man, I feel sorry for that person. Yeah. You know, he was taught something or he had the wrong teachings coming up. Yes. Watches too many movies, probably. Yeah. He needs to watch Powell Highway and... Needs to put a little bit of flavor in his life. <laughs> Powell Highway, that's classic. You know what I was going to say? Put is a little bit of fry bread in there. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say is that you drive around in a soccer soccer mom car, but I drive around in a soccer ball, so... Yeah. No, I love your car, man. It's awesome. I seen one for sale in Lockwood, and I was like, oh, I'm going to buy that. I mean, JC can race. <laughs> we can have a drag. Yeah. I'll be Bowser. Bowser. <laughs> Start throwing banana pills out the window. Yeah. Turtle shells. <laughs> Turtle shells. That's another one too. I love I love Mario Kart, man. Man, that's one I haven't played in a while. And I and I like not like the newer ones are fun. Yeah. But, I, but I'm still like into the original, like the Rainbow Road. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember sitting there, man, over at uh our brother Archie's house. Oh yeah, yeah. And we'd sit there and <laughs> they used to call it Archie Fun Night. Because you know he, he didn't drink or didn't you know he he was yeah. he was uh, really anti drug anti alcohol so when we go over to his place you know it was we we chew we chew and play video games all night and man I remember like sitting there playing that game so long that I started to get sick uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like motion sickness yeah, motion sickness yep all right man that was good man I think that was powerful what you guys dropped this evening um, sure any kind of closing words on the whole George Floyd Chauvin. I think we kind of dropped some good knowledge there. I mean, I don't think we did drop some good knowledge there because we were in that world. Um, so you guys want to go into the speak on it? Yes. Yes, sir. All right. DJ, why don't you 
hit me with that B. Speak on it. Speak on it, bro. On it. Bro, speak on it. Speak on it. Speak on it. All right, all right, all right. This is Mo Hugs, not Drugs, and this is my Speak on It episode 25. Well, um, what I was going to speak on tonight is perspective shift. Just a little bit perspective shift. I was reminded this past week of something that was kind of very crucial for me early on in recovery that I was able to start implementing and that really just kind of launched me emotionally and like even just like just my perspective. And it's, um, I went from thinking I have to do these things. I have to go to work. I have to do my taxes. I have to take a shower. I have to get ready. I have to do my laundry. I have to do the dishes. I have to go to, I have to go coach my kids games. I have to do this. I have to go to meetings. I have to chair this meeting. I have to get up and pray and I have to do my readings in order to stay sober. Um, my sponsor really worked on me because I kept saying that. I kept saying, I have to, I have to, I have to. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you got the wrong perspective, bro. He said, you get to do these things. You Now that you're walking the red road, now that you're not in active use, now that you're in recovery, you get to do these things. I get to go to work. I get get to pay my bills I get to coach my kids' basketball team, soccer team, flag football team I get to <clears throat> I get to wake up in the morning and I get to pray I get to do my readings where before um, without any structure my life was very chaotic very chaotic, very um, I call it organized chaos because there was some functional ability in there, but it was very chaotic. My emotions were very chaotic. I was highly reactive. Um, so when I changed my, just that little shift from I have to, to I get to, um, I was like, okay, it, it brought, it's that positivity, a little bit more joy in my job, a little bit more joy in going to meetings. Um, I had a little bit more joy in even doing this podcast. I get to do this. I don't have to do it. I get to do this. I get to be JC's friend. I get to be um, Randy's friend. Um, I don't have to be their friends. Um, I could just walk away from them right now. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> You're driving me crazy. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I said the throat. I didn't they started laughing when I said that. But um yeah, just that little shift in perspective, man, it went a long way with me. Um, because for far too long I was always throwing a pity party. I was always boo hoo me, boo hoo, boo hoo Josiah. He has to do this, he has to do that. Why come nobody else has to do these things? 
Um, but when I changed it to I get to do these things, I was a little bit more grateful. I was a little bit more um, apt to do these things. I was like, oh, I get to do these things. Even the one of the hugest things was like I harbored this hurt. That I was like, man, I don't even know why I'm feeling this way, man. Um, I was telling my sponsor at the time, I was like, I don't even know why I feel this way. This happened a long time ago. Why am I feeling this way? I shouldn't even be feeling this way. And he stopped me right there. He was like, dude, he's like, you're looking at it the wrong way. He's like, you finally get to feel these things because you're not drowning them with any kind of substance. You finally get to, you're finally allowing yourself to feel this. I said, so feel it. And journal about it, write about it, keep talking about it. And then ultimately, he said, like, you know, you got to pray about it. Pray, give it to your higher power, and just keep doing that. And then that pain and hurt, forgive that person, of course, number one. Um, but that was a huge thing, you know, just to sit in your feelings and tell yourself, I get to feel this now. So even like the bad things, um, even sorrow, even grief, the upset, I get to feel these things now. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a very beautiful thing where I denied myself for so long from actually feeling my feelings. So that's all I had tonight. Just change your perspective from I have to to I get to. Mo hugs, not drugs. Holla back, citizen. Peace. Speak on it. Speak on it, bro. On it. Speak on it. Speak on it. Speak on it. Yo, 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 what's up? This is JC. And contrary to what you might see or hear anywhere else, I am your favorite Indian. Except no substitutes. So... Uh, before I get into what I was going to talk about, it's just a little reminder that by next week, I want to give them little baby shoes away. So, man, I, I'm to the point where first person that contacts us anyway, you know, Facebook, email, however you want to do it. Um, obviously, I, I wouldn't want to put my personal information out there. So uh, the most private way to do that would probably be email. But in any case... I can't send them to you if you don't respond. So, like, I'll say the first first one, first person. Uh, if you don't want us to put you on blast uh, over the airways, let us know. If you don't have any problem with that, we will definitely, you know, say, hey, these are going to so-and-so. But uh, I, I just want to, you know, just have that little giveaway. I've been holding on to them and sitting there. And I, they're, not the, they're not the fanciest little creation I ever had, but they're, I think they're pretty cool. So... First person to send an email or get a hold of us on Facebook and say, hey, I want those, then that'll be you. Uh, anyway, so <clears throat> what I wanted to, man, I've, lately I've been uh, watching YouTube videos and I like to watch those native TikToks. Yeah, they're pretty crazy, man, the things that these natives are coming up with. They just crack me up, man. They're, Indian people are funny. I mean, I just... Just the things that they come up with. And uh, what I really like is I like the people that aren't afraid to put themselves out there. Uh, seeing a guy dress up as a woman or as an auntie and then, you know, messing around, joking around like that. I think it's pretty funny. But it just kind of brings me to what I wanted to talk about. And that is, you know, laughter. Laughter is one of the best medicines. Um, so don't forget to, you know, don't, don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take life too seriously. 
You know, there's there's times to be serious and there's times to be responsible and all of that is well and good, but don't don't forget to laugh. Don't forget to find joy in life. You know, watch a funny movie. Go see your brothers and sisters and laugh and joke around with them. Um, I know that you listen if you've been listening to us, you know that we like to laugh and we like to joke around and that's not to say that we're dehumanizing anybody or you know that we don't care about people. It's just that you know as indigenous people, I think uh humor has been one of our coping skills. It's just one of those things that we use to get by in our daily life and uh you know i I think if there's no malice in your heart and there's no hate and there's no uh ill intent it's it's all fun it's all jokes like uh Josiah likes to say, hey, these are jokes, people." They're just jokes, you know, and and that's what it is, you know. But don't forget to laugh. Don't forget to find the joy in life because, um, man, it, it's, it's, it's tough enough as it is, but we don't have to think of it that way. Our cup doesn't have to be half empty. We can always be half, you know, we can, we can have our cup can runneth over as maybe uh, our brother Andy might say. But, uh, you know, um, you know, it, there's even this thing too. Like, if you smile, if you're feeling bad and you just smile, and I'm not saying you know walking around like a Cheshire cat grinning like an idiot, but you know, just a slight smile that will automatically bring up your your spirits a little bit. And there's so many different ways. Like I said, you can watch a funny movie, you can joke around, make one of them crazy TikTok videos, and put it on YouTube so I can watch it. Those things are pretty fun. Um, I just want to shout out to all the people out there who are doing that kind of creative stuff. You guys are awesome. You guys are funny. Keep it up. You're bringing up my spirits. And um, that's all I really got, you know, for today is just find joy in life. Don't forget to smile. Don't forget to laugh. Uh, Remember, we get to laugh today. We get to kind of going off of what Josiah said. You know, we get to do all these amazing things. And one of them is to find true joy, true happiness, and true laughter. And so with that, man, that's all I got for this week. Veni Vidi Vici, baby. Speak on it. Speak on it, bro. On it, bro. Speak on it. Speak on it. Speak on it. Yo. Hello. Are you there? It's me. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I ain't really got too much to say. I, I kind of wanted to piggyback off of these guys. And it kind of goes with the message that I've been preaching uh, this month. Uh, teaching this month, is, is it's called the heart of gratitude. But I wrote a little nugget down and, it, and I said, a heart of gratitude is more about the posture of our heart than it is about our circumstances. And I guess the meaning behind that is like it doesn't matter what situation we find ourselves in. It's always the posture of our heart. And that kind of goes along with like what Josiah was saying. He's saying, I don't have to do these things. He's saying, I get to do these things. Because if we look back on our life, we never really had the opportunity that we have today. And it's always better to look on the bright. And this is like hard for me too. It's like, it's better to look on the bright side of things than it is to look at the negative. Because for so long in my life, like I concentrated on the negative, but I've been like shifting my focus this season, like shifting the way I view things, shifting the way that I do things. And 
it makes life much better, man. Roll with the punches and, and realize, like, no matter how dark it is, there's always hope. We always have hope. If you got no hope, man, you got to find something to hope for, hope in. With that, man, love you guys. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for listening to the Unspoken Words podcast. We love you guys. Peace. Welcome. I just love it when you guys talk to me. <laughs> I just love to hear your speak on it. I'll go and you guys are just getting gooder. Far as I can just listen to you talk all night. <laughs> <laughs> I just listen to you talk and Bagoon, I'm not even embarrassed of you anymore. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh my I remember goodness. that one time uh, you were real embarrassing. <laughs> remember that one time you just embarrassed me. <laughs> I almost disowned you. <laughs> <laughs> almost didn't want to be your auntie anymore. Oh, oh. Hoax. oh, I jokes, oh. I jokes, I jokes. I'm your auntie. All right then. Whoa, it's a good episode. Yes, episode 25. Oh, 25. We sure got 25 of them real quick, innit? Oh, innit? Oh, oh, just half like a year. Almost next week, half of 52. Yes, sir. OMG. And we're going to have a guess, but I'm not going to say who. The only clue I'll give is Godspeed. <laughs> we need to get this guy some fans huh? yeah. <laughs> Some rattles Some hand game rattles <laughs> Every time we play Randy puts his hands in there And starts shaking them Alright 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 Well thank you guys We appreciate you tuning in We appreciate the love Keep sending your feedback Keep sub- Oh subscribe man Tell your auntie Tell your uncles Tell your cousins Tell your ex Tell your baby mama Tell your baby daddy About unspoken words Hey man We trying to Sober everybody up Have everybody come walk along yes. with us On the red road Tell all your baby daddies And all the colors And, and all the your mamas. baby mamas And all your baby mamas Yes, and all the Miss Jacksons. Yes. (laughs) All right, man. Until next week, peace out, homie G. Drugs, not drugs. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.